0: Tonight on the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean Sundance is happening The film festival is wrapping up this week And we have some highlights We also have some news on a Christmas story sequel John Krasinski directing Steve Carell in a movie The problem with Disney's Snow White And more Tune in here for all of the great ramblings and rants You've come to expect from Joe and Sean
1: Change the game just now I have a rave these are the best ideas I've <laughs> ever heard. I'm, <laughs> <a separate laughs> I'm saying that that's the, that's the commentary that will exist. In a
2: Barbie
1: world. Oh my God.
0: Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe, he is Sean, and we are here for episode 81 of this esteemed production. Sean, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. Um, I am uh, wearing my Uggs. Um,
0: <laughs> is it cold up there?
1: You know, no, but uh, I don't know where my slippers are. And so I have Uggs <laughs> and I have slippers because sometimes I, feel, I want to feel a little bit fancy. Um, so. <laughs> so now um, you know, and,
0: and the podcast calls for fancy
1: oh, always, always, yes. Um these are uh, these are podcast uggs if anything else.
0: <laughs> I have my podcast uggs, I have my walking uggs I have my, my Instagram uggs. live uggs. <laughs> they're different. Um they they are different. All right, well here we are. Did you catch by the way that it sounded like the theme song started off a little faster than usual? It, Did I don't it now. know if it was I don't know if it was just like how it came through on my stream, but it was like, din, 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 din. I was like, whoa,
1: I thought <laughs> you were doing like some banter where it's like a new product we're announcing and it's like theme song <laughs> fasteners. Like the, I, don't, I don't know.
2: Fasteders. I keep on
1: thinking it's Thursday. That's how bad this week is. So, oh,
0: like I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, But listen, we have a lot of news to get to today, a lot of fun stuff, um, and then some interesting things to talk about uh, regarding, you know, the film industry that we love. Uh, Haven't had a ton of trailers that have dropped this week, with the exception of Pinocchio. Uh, Did you happen to watch that Pinocchio one?
1: I watched a portion of it on uh, Instagram and then said, nah, nah, this isn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Uh, maybe when the movie comes out, but I just can't. This seems like a test run right now. (laughs) And at one point, he's like, and I would know the story because I
0: live in his wooden heart. I was like, what is happening? Oh, God. So the trailer I pulled for us to watch tonight uh, is from the team of producers who did Don't Fuck With Cats. Remember that marvelous moment in society?
1: So this is a documentary. This uh, the, the title of this one.
0: This is a documentary. It is the Twinder, the Twinder, the Twinder Swindler. There we go.
1: The Tilda Swin- uh, Swinton.
0: The Tilda Swinton. Um Fandaway Newton. Uh, and this is
1: <laughs> We're done. The episode's and, done.
0: I'm done with this. <laughs> um well hey, we have to we have to swipe right on the Tinder Swindler. Uh, but here we go. So we're going to watch this, give some feedback. Give some feedback. <laughs> <Here's> <laughs> give some some feedback,
1: feedback. Listen, we have some notes on your trailer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I listen to this uh, Drag Race podcast, and they're always like, no notes, no notes, like on performances <laughs> and stuff. And it cracks me up. Just reminded me of that. But here we go. The Tinder Swindler coming to Netflix. And we watch.
2: You can find a bit of everything on Tinder. but One little swipe can change your life I only miss you when, when I first talked with Simon immediately we had a bond when I to the he was smart and funny and very impulsive I shared my whole heart with him and then he asked me if I wanted to travel with him I'm on a private check. I was like, shit. He took me to a five-star hotel. He said we had a special connection. It felt like stepping into a movie. And then the middle of the night, he said there was something he <laughs> wants to tell me. Did that just say blood? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> just like, FaceTime blood. He needs our cash. Oh. $20,000, $30,000, $140,000. His life depended on me. That's when police tell me the man I love was never real. Everything's a lie. Who's this guy I've been sharing the same bed yes. Then I get these threatening messages. Take my advice. Just watch out. We have no idea what he's capable of. It's just been fucking hell. and we're freaking out. But we needed to get payback. We don't know how far this conspiracy actually goes. It's just the tip of the iceberg. We had one chance to swindle the Dindler swindler. <laughs> you love the problem give are going pay for it.
0: We had one chance to swindle, to swindle tindle, the tender swindler,
1: to swindle. We need, wait, there's only one woman we can find. We need Tilda Swinton to swindle the swindle, swindle swindler.
0: <laughs> She's a woman with a particular set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, listen, I love a good documentary and that one seems bonkers. And it's so like, I don't, I just feel like that's really good. You mentioned marketing during that, because of course, don't fuck with yeah. cats was like wild. And we were all talking about it uh, when that happened, but also, Tinder, like how many people are on Tinder, you know, and especially over the past two years,
1: everyone's probably like, oh, God, Tinder's like, please don't release this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, th- there's a part of it where I think I I I wonder what the full story is. Not that I'm like going with the guy that like, but I, but it is one thing where it's like, how did they fall for the private jet? And it's like, oh, I guess I'd get on the private jet, maybe, but I would still be worried about that kind of stuff um yeah. not to like victim blame or victim shame but like in this day and age i'd be scared of that i'm sure there's a lot more to it and they're they're gonna show that and that's why i'm like gonna be very curious yeah. to see this um to but, be fair
0: sean we are both very anxious people so we're like cautious of <laughs> everything
1: like i don't want to be on a flight anyway like if <laughs> some true. Kind of attractive guy offers me a flight i'm like first of all i'm married and straight <laughs> sir also i don't <laughs> like planes so, so please w- leave me alone <laughs> I would already be a Mykonos. Um, yeah, <laughs> Mykonos. But,
0: yeah. um, But yeah, you know, though, it's, uh, you ask that question. And when I say you, I mean, in general, I guess we ask that question when you're watching, when we're watching any, any, uh, I almost said horror movie, because sometimes they turn into horror movies. But when you watch like a romantic film and you're like, well, how, how did he, how does she fall for that? Or a romantic drama, I should say. How did they fall for that? And it's like, well, you know, they just got swindled into it right away. And <laughs> they got Tinder um, swindled.
1: Tindler swindler Um, Tindler swindlered. Um, The one other thing that I always uh, this is my pet peeve on documentaries, and they all do it. Some of them do it okay. Some of them do it way too much. The the reenactments just get to me. Um, Like, and so this one, they (laughs) boy oh boy, did they have them. it seemed i'm hoping that they they pull back a little bit and maybe it's fine there have been reenactment documentaries that have been fine uh there have been some that are actually good and i can't remember one off the top of my head but um like so it's okay but sometimes it's used and can be very disingenuous is not the right word but um it can make it almost seem a little bit like a cheap tv show and then it like takes away some of the uh
0: magnitude to the crime well I was just going to say that, that like, it's, it's something that's been done on Dateline and 2020 Mm -hmm. and all those forever, Mm -hmm. uh, and Nightline and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's nothing new. It's just a matter, I think, of how they deliver it and if they can make it feel fresh. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Who knows? All right, let's jump into what we've been watching. And I want to talk a little bit about Sundance. Um, Sundance, of course, moved online this year. It started last week, um really solid lineup in a lot of ways uh a lot of the films have been really good a lot of first-time directors and i just want to talk about a few of the standouts for me uh at this moment in time when i and just to be clear i still have
1: many to watch Uh, are you watching a few are you watching more than uh one after this podcast i plan to whether i will or I not gonna... a whole other <laughs> i want to see if you watch two after this bio. yeah i mean i think you have it in you but i that's <sighs> <laughs> yeah i don't know well listen
0: the first one i want to talk about is fresh so this is a fascinating um horror movie slash drama slash thriller that i'm not going to get any details about but i'll tell you two pieces of information. One is that uh, the um, opening uh, title and credits don't hit until 37 minutes into the movie, which I love.
1: That's awesome. Um,
0: And it also marks a departure for the type of film you think it is up until that point. Uh, But uh, it has Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan in it. Daisy Edgar Jones from Normal People, Mm -hmm. Sebastian Stan, as we know who Sebastian Stan is. Um, (laughs) He... He plays an absolute psycho and I, it's, it's hot. No, um, it's, I mean, like, <laughs> listen, I, I, I realized that I like watching you, I'm like, man, I really like Joe. And then like watching this, I'm like, man, I really like, you know, so I have some problems <laughs> that I have to work through with my therapist, but um, it is <laughs> a really, really good movie. Um, and it, it's just a ride. It, I said in the review, it was batshit crazy because I couldn't think of anything else to say. Um, it's not going to be for everyone because even a few people that I've told the premise of or the premise of it too, they're like, Oh no, (laughs) no, thank you. Um, but I highly recommend this one. It's going to actually hit Hulu. I believe in, uh, at the end of February,
1: it's around Uh, that I've heard you recommended going blind. Uh, if you absolutely go in blind,
0: absolutely going blind. I mean, the nice thing is the synopsis isn't really, it won't tell you that much, Um, But I highly recommend going in blind. Someone told me to do that uh, and I'm glad they did. So it's, (laughs) it's crazy. Uh, But, you know, I started pretty high with that one. Um, Another one I want to mention is a movie called um, good luck to you. Leo Grande. Uh, This was another fascinating movie and it has Emma Thompson um, bearing all in terms of her emotions (laughs) And her body. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a really fascinating movie. Basically about an older woman. Uh, who is retired. And she realizes. And this is from the synopsis. So don't get on me about this. But she says uh, she's she doesn't believe she's ever experienced a proper orgasm. Um, so she hires a sex worker. And <laughs> uh, over the course of a few meetings. Uh, meetings. They have some deep conversations. And it's really just. I was actually really impressed with how poignant it was. And it's just these two having discussions and, you know, some of it's, some of it's funny. It's like smart humor. Uh, But otherwise, the other part of it is just a nice uh, dissection of like what it means to number one, be proud of who you are and what you're doing um, to accept yourself and then accept your body. Uh, but three, the need for human connection and how like two very different people find this connection. It was actually like, a really beautiful movie. It's one of those that as I think about it more and more, I'm like, oh, my God, I loved it. Um, and I believe that's getting picked up by Hulu as well by Searchlight for Hulu as well. Um It seems like a lot
1: of this stuff is going to Hulu because of the lower um, studios. I mean, that came from last Sundance as well. And so they have these like Hulu kind of overarches these lower ones and they kind of snatch up a lot of the great Sundance hits.
0: Yeah. You know, and they're having an interesting time this year at Sundance because they were uh, I was reading this article on Deadline that mentioned not being in person and not having the Uh fanfare and the crowds and sort of that push to like, I got to, you know, get the bids going right away (laughs) um, is resulting in a lot of movies not being sold uh, right off the bat. It's been Uh really quiet. I think Nat Geo picked up two documentaries. Um, There's another one. Oh, another one just got picked up by RL. I think it's RLJE is the studio or the, uh, the company they picked up dual with. Um, uh, oh, I
1: heard about that one. Yeah.
0: Karen Gillen and Aaron Paul. Um, that's one that I didn't love. I wanted to love it, but didn't love it. Uh, the last one I want to mention real quick. Um, just uh, one of the things I love about Sundance is you get some phenomenal performances cool um and regardless of how i felt about the movies there's two performances that i again want to highlight one is aubrey plaza in a movie called emily the criminal she's Mm -hmm. the best i've ever seen her i thought she was just phenomenal i think the movie the script let her down a little bit um and could have been more but i also can see people loving this so it's she's just phenomenal she's so strong in it and um it's wild to watch those early episodes of parks and rec and seeing like how her <laughs> character was there and you know watching her then i always wondered like where's she gonna go from here what's like you know she's gonna be typecast and i think she's really breaking out of it here she did
1: so with um what was it called black bear was that the black one that bear and happiest season last year yes, um, happiest Season. i forgot about that she, i believe she became like the object of affection where almost everybody was like oh my goodness please go to this girl main character yeah. uh was a, yeah. not Mackenzie davis no, um. Oh, we don't need to do. Kristen this.
0: Stewart was in it,
1: right? Yes, Kristen Stewart. And so, like everyone said, Kristen Stewart go with Aubrey Plaza. She's way cooler. <laughs> and, like, it's yeah. um, and, and yeah, she. It, it kind of worked. It was like unbelievable, and there was a diff All three of the. Well, I haven't seen this one, but I'm just assuming from the yeah. description, all three of these are very different styles of performances, and all different from Parks and Rec, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's I, I, the one constant I've seen from some other people that have seen this at uh, Sundance. Or I guess I should say heard from them is that her performance is just off the charts. Like she's, she's really good. The other one I'm going to, I will die on this hill. Rebecca Hall is one of the best performers out there right now. Um, and she's, <laughs> yes. I love her. She's in a movie called Resurrection. Uh, it is a horror slash psychological drama um, that, I struggled with only because if you're going to have a really outlandish uh, premise, you need to lean into it. And also there needs to be some sort of sense made at some point. Um, This one didn't really do that for me. I just I I couldn't get into the plot, but I loved her. Um, And even oh, my gosh, I'm going to forget who else was in it with her. But the uh, young actress that plays her daughter, uh, who I've seen in so many things, was phenomenal as well. Um, Very well acted, just not the strongest movie, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Sundance is such a ride, um, but it's fun. I'm exhausted, but it's fun.
1: It is a game of a uh, Russian roulette with, uh, much less stakes, um, with much lower stakes where, you know, you are like, you could buy for me, like, um, last year I bought like six films and I think like maybe two of them I truly enjoyed. And one yeah. of them was my best film of the year. So yeah. you, know, like, you can really, you can really go, um, you know, several different ways there. Um, this yeah. year I abstain. Well, that's why I abstain from Sundance. Cause I just like, you know, I decided to go too high of an umbrella and then the title started to drive me nuts. And like, I was just like, I don't know what's going to be good and what's going to be bad. And I just, I, I literally just threw it all out and I said, I'm not doing this.
0: Yeah. It's really funny you say that because I struggled a little bit early on with like what I wanted to watch and trying to make my list and all that. Um, and you know, looking at a title, like good luck to you, Leo Grande, I was like, what the hell? Like, what, what is this? Um, and it's gonna, I think as of right now, it's probably top two films of the festival for me. Um, so it's kind of, it's just funny how that works out. Um, but I totally get it. It's overwhelming. Uh, there's so many movies There's so many options and there's, you know, even like this one, uh, Emily, the criminal, it was kind of buried for me. I, I didn't even realize it was happening until last week. And, it's you know such a good turn for aubrey plaza and a a good solid movie that i'm surprised it wasn't getting more play but whether that was me or just a symptom of the fact that everything's online and sundance kind of had to scramble after they made the decision to shift into just that format primarily i don't know but uh yeah wild absolutely wild um man oh man yeah, well, I, I'll, and I have a few more on my list to uh, get through before the festival ends, so hopefully I'll have some other positives. I'm looking real quick to see if there's um, anything that I uh, that stands out to me. You Won't Be Alone is one that's getting a release in April uh, theatrically, mm. um, so that's interesting. I watched one hatching today about a giant egg that hatches. Uh, um Okay. So that's yeah, see,
1: see, that's the kind of shit that I'm talking. About. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff you get at Sundance.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting stuff, but hopefully we'll have some more to talk about. Uh, I need to watch a couple more documentaries because I usually am heavy on them, and I'm not at all. I watched one on TikTok. Uh, it's called TikTok Boom, and it really uh, listen. If you're an
1: anxious person, what? Well, yes, it's called TikTok Boom. <laughs> no, no, no. Th- I mean that bothers me, but like you, fur- like the way you said that, it's like, well, I watched a documentary on TikTok. And I'm like buddy <laughs> i thought no. you met you on tiktok you are like scrolling through no, no, no 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 and there's a it's documentary a, okay. a documentary about tiktok and okay it,
0: it leans <laughs> into privacy conversations and um it's it was interesting to understand a little bit of the turmoil around tiktok over the past two years really um and especially in the last presidential administration uh but it's it, it was a good one so i'll be reviewing that shortly but uh yeah, lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. And I completely missed that Ozark season four, part one came out.
1: <laughs> I did not. And that's a good segue because uh, that's all I watched because <laughs> I didn't watch any new movies. And so I'm going to talk about a television show instead, like a plebeian. <laughs> um, I really should have uh, <laughs> like taken the plunge into uh, into the uh, Sundance uh, film. Just grab a few of them. But uh, I just couldn't figure out which ones. And then I had all of them on my list. And then like to, 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 to like, you know, narrow them down was just a nightmare and so i just i, I couldn't do it and so i just eventually um went with uh, some great television and i'm watching a lot of movies from the past which i definitely won't get into because there's about a billion you really um, are <laughs> <really awkward. laughs> like more than way more than i usually do and way more than i usually should um but in this case uh, i'm going to talk about ozark uh, season four part one um and it's ozark And it's that good meaning, meaning it's that good, meaning it is propelling itself towards its end. Um, I truly uh, like love the way this show. Acknowledges what the past seasons do focuses on a future plan, and right now they have a goal. There is a plan. They know where they're going. Now, this is not the very end. You're not going to see the series finale. You're going to see the series finale with season four, part two. That's stupid, by the way give us give us the whole season or call it season 4 and season 5. I know it's a Netflix agreement with contracts and bullshit, but it just it's just dum 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 dum. Um I think all the performances are still there. They're doing a great job with the family dynamic where most at this point would just ditch it cuz like at this point you're dealing with the drug kick pin. like who cares like you know like who like who's uh having dinner or who's sitting down for dinner. But they have those arguments there and they have that family strain which is actually sort of remarkable that they're keeping that there. Um, It's sort of scary how good Jason Bateman is without doing anything at all. Like it's unbelievable how it's like, that's a person I can see just remarkably well without any sort of like any little bit of like overblowing that performance. Laura Linney goes the other way with the overblowing, but still has these like slight affectations where, you know, after what she did in season three, She's no longer really human anymore, but she's really still trying to deal with the fact (laughs) of what she did and she can't handle it. And she's slowly losing her grip. And then of course there's Julia Garner, which everybody all hail Julia Garner, Julia Garner. If you see her in a movie or a TV show, watch Julia Garner. She's amazing at acting and she is right now slowly becoming the central uh, focus, hopefully towards uh, part two. We'll see. It's going to be interesting what happens, but man, this show doesn't let up and it's great. And if, if there's people that are, people have been weird about Ozark. I always get this from friends and family. Where they're like, oh yeah, no, the one on Netflix. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it was like kind of like Breaking Bad, but it wasn't, I get it. Breaking Bad, this, both drugs, both families. I, I get <laughs> both <it>. drugs. <laughs> both got the families and the drug traders and all that stuff cooking all together. But There's a difference with this one where it focuses more on a business, and it makes them more shrewd, which is kind of a (laughs) lot more fun. (laughs) So they're they're better drug dealers <laughs> like kind of, but also not like there's, they're bad at that part, I guess it's very, Oh God, I, I love Ozark for what it is. I mean, and then yeah, comparisons to breaking bad. Those are just like disgusting to make. Cause breaking bad is just like the Messiah of television. It brought us to the Mount of prestige television. How dare you compare anything to breaking bad? It's impossible. Ozark is exceptional. Ozark is, is an exceptional TV show. Let's have them all. All right. You know, like, oh man, there, there we go. There's my, a little bit of a mini rant there that doesn't really count.
0: Good. That should warm me up for what I think is going to be the next rant coming um, from me.
1: I'm, I'm freaking furious. <laughs> but oh,
0: I got I... <laughs> <laughs> to say with, uh, when you're talking about Breaking Bad, I always go back to that one episode that I think was a, uh, a, a, a it was a result of the writer strike. The fly episode. Yeah, baby. Fly episode.
1: Love of the I fly remember, episode.
0: <laughs> I remember I would watch a lot of them um when I was like working in higher education back in the day uh, in residence life after grad school. I remember watching it like nonstop, like episode after episode. And then I, that was the last one I watched before bed one night. And I was like, did I, I did that? What? So the next day I put it back on. I'm like, oh, no, that's that's exactly what it was.
1: <laughs> now, you know who directed that episode, right?
0: Oh uh, no, I think I do, but I won't remember. Ryan Johnson. Oh, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> he would. The other thing, this isn't a breaking bad podcast, but the other thing that uh bothered me was the best villains were killed off in the third season. Those twins.
1: Oh, they were so good. You're right. They for, were so good.
0: Giancarlo Esposito's phenomenal, but then,
1: um th- those twins were like that was the height of it for me. I loved that. I would say, you know what? That is a good thing with uh, Breaking Bad. The The final villains were not great. Um, I mean, not as great as, like, you know, Giancarlo Esposito and, you know, everyone else, the twins and everyone. Um, the final villains were not great, but it, it's more of, like, you know, I, I like to think of, you know, Walter White destroyed himself. That's how yeah. I'll always yeah. do it in that. I mean, he didn't. There were still villains. But, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. and one of them was Jesse friggin' Plemons. Breaking Bad gave us Jesse Plemons. Like, <laughs>
0: And Jesse Plemons has given us a lot of different stuff these days. (laughs) (laughs) He always does. Uh, He always does. And so do the streaming channels that uh, are out there competing and trying to get some movies out there. So starting off with the news from the past week that we want to discuss, A Christmas Story is getting another sequel. Because there is a Christmas Story sequel that I think went straight to DVD. Yes. Um,
1: It It, It was called A Summer Story. Um was I be- yes this is the one I found like uh, it was called a summer story because it was still um it was still Clark and them um and it was uh the um the bumper sounds were still next door and uh it was uh, it took place in uh, I believe uh the summer and um <laughs> there was <laughs>
0: A couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> Took place in, uh, I believe, the summer.
1: <laughs> I'll take the cheap humor when I can get it. Um, I'm trying to remember that it's it's actually someone who recently passed away who played the father. It wasn't the original father. It wasn't Darren McGavin. Um, oh, that's gonna bother me now. Um, the guy who was the dad in Beethoven. I'm just gonna. Um, oh, geez Ah, uh, shoot. Well, the, there Keep was going.
0: a Christmas, a Christmas story too in 2012, where the old man was played by. <laughs> marv from home
1: alone (laughs) wait i'm sorry larry wait
0: not marv not marv the other one daniel stern daniel
1: stern yeah daniel stern played an old man like the old dad like
0: it says the old man oh my what is going on i don't know it's insane. All right. Well, let's talk about what's going on here. So we're getting a sequel that is going to uh, head to HBO Max. Peter Billingsley, who originally played Ralphie in A Christmas Story, uh, is going to be returning as uh, an adult. Uh, but he, this is called A Christmas Story Christmas. He goes back to the house with his kids, with his family. Um, the fa- His father has long past, long ago past. Uh, and yeah, uh, he reconnects with old friends and stuff like that. Sean, you um, typed a lot of characters when I sent you this story originally
1: last week. Uh, wh- wh- how are you feeling these days? I've calmed. I've, I've calmed since. Um, you know, it's it's remakes occur. Um... <laughs> yeah, no, I try to like remakes occur, and sometimes what happens is they're just so monumentally bad that we forget about them after a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, sometimes they sort of have this lingering ability and they're still just mediocre. And so, you know, some people acknowledge them and keep them in their lives and in their minds. Um, and then in their lives, <laughs> and then there's sometimes just moments where we all think about them and we're all latching to them and we're forced to just hold on to them and watch them fester or here it is it could be good. this is where this is where I started to think about myself where if they try to do something different from this, he's coming back home. dad recently passed and he's getting involved with like and he's like seeing the other friends and here's the problem here's here's where here's where we go they there's some sort of a different plot that centers around Christmas. it's a nice plot some of them are married some of them not they talk about that they talk about the explorations of being with family or not being with family and how that works they can go that direction or the kid 10 or uh 40 years ago gets his tongue stuck to the pole again <laughs> like and then like you know or like this guy gets beat up by scott farkas scott Farkas is there he's not doing well at all <laughs> <laughs> He's outside the town 7-Eleven. Tony's doing great. He's like the chairman of a Fortune 500 company. You can have fun with this. Like if you want to, but they're not going to do that. I don't expect that at all. I expect you to be on un- unoriginal stupid gags. That will just be like the same sort of like, you know, hacky adaptation. Cause that's what remakes are. Remakes don't know that they could do something great. Remakes could do yeah. something great. They could bring these characters into something a little bit more interesting and they could make it something heartfelt. And, elevate the original film. And instead you're going to do this and you know what two things happen either you know it pisses people off enough that they're they're even ruined by the first one which I hate that argument by the way. If people say it'll ruin the original it's like no it won't just watch the original and this doesn't exist and we're all still happy. Trust me on that. All right? But I don't know. I it, it there's a there's a like a 5% chance this could be good. Boy, I'm giving it a lot of credit.
0: Yeah, that's pretty bold. I so I have multiple issues with this. Um, one is that I think there's certain movies that just shouldn't be remade and shouldn't even be touched. And this is probably one of them, A Christmas Story, given the fact that it is something that is played, you know, time and time again uh, on what isn't it like 24 hours on TBS and TNT yeah. and all that, like mm-hmm. uh, at Christmas. So it's not like it's something where you want to reintroduce them uh, like newer generations to the story. The generations know it. We know this story. Uh, let it let it lie. Uh, the other issue I have is it is <laughs> a frequent uh, collaborator of um, oh, no. Clint, Clint Eastwood uh, who wrote the script. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. Nick Schenk wrote the script, uh, Cry Macho being the most recent one that he's tagged on. Uh, and it's being directed by Clay Cadis, who live-action-wise directed The Christmas Chronicles for uh netflix yeah. no, this which sends tough. me which We're sends done. me in a direct <laughs> it sends me in a direction of like they're going for like holiday hokey um otherwise he's known for animation projects like the angry birds movie so Ooh. i i don't have any confidence in this um but it's going straight to hbo max obviously the big draw is peter billingsley um and we'll see what happens with that i'm assuming it will be next year at some point that we get it
1: So I have to officially cut in now uh, to say that there is one called. It's not a summer story. It's my summer story because, you know, articles. Um, And in this situation, (laughs) we have uh, in this sequel to a Christmas story. Ralphie Parker, played by Kieran Culkin, struggles to find the perfect spinning top with which to defeat his old rival, Scott Farkas. I didn't know it was spelled Scott, by the way. Um, (laughs) S-C-U-T. Chris Owen. That's nobody. Uh, Meanwhile, Mrs. Parker mary steenbergen uh butts heads with the owner of a new movie theater of the equestrian giveaways and as the old man charles groden uh spends the summer teaching ralphie to fish um the name is the bumpus family um interestingly enough it's directed by bob clark who directed the original so this is not like just some hack job that is okay wow
0: was charles groden supposed to mean something to me when you said that name
1: Yes, he passed away recently. He was in Midnight Run and uh, several Muppets movies, and you know, kind of like a old timey comedian. <laughs> okay, I'll revisit um, that. <laughs> you'd recognize him if you saw him. I mean, you oh, won't see him anymore. God. Like, <laughs> R.I.P. He's um, fine.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, he's not <laughs> fine. He's definitely not fine. He's dead. The man is dead. R.I.P. Great B. catalog B. of films. <laughs> He's a legend, uh, Charles Grodin. Sorry, let's move on. John Krasinski, <laughs> uh, John Krasinski has put together quite the cast for his upcoming movie. Uh, and it's another original idea from him. This is something I'm actually really enjoying with like the team, uh, the team up of Paramount and John Krasinski, is they seem to be really confident in him. Uh, after A Quiet Place, which I mean, hey, two great movies there, right? But he, his next movie is called If, and the fascinating piece is, you know, who's leading if. Steve Carell, his old office buddy, Steve Carell. Um, but it also has a ton of uh, other actors, including uh, Ryan Reynolds, who is leading the film. Krasinski will be in it as well. Phoebe Wall- uh, Waller-Bridge, Fiona Shaw, uh, and then Alan Kim, Kaylee Fleming, and Louis Gossett J- Gussett Jr. Um, so it's a quite the uh, quite the cast here. We don't really know what it's about. Um, but Krasinski is directing, writing and producing. Um, Yeah. Hey, I'm all for this. I mean, I, I think it's just kind of cool. Like the nostalgia of now John Krasinski. Now Jim is directing
1: Steve. He is now the boss. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, of course, I trust Krasinski with directing and everything, but I just uh, I get all I get all weird about the big casts because I just think, how, how do we how do we break it up? How do we settle it? Um, and sometimes it gets a little bit too much to manage. I mean, I'm having just like, don't look up flashbacks now. And, you know, some yeah. sometimes a big cast can be good and it's fine. And, you know, do we know the premise of if I was I'm looking so, through the article? So the only piece that they have uh,
0: released and the only idea is that Deadline said something along the lines of um, it is about kids rediscovering their imagination.
1: Okay, you know, that works. And I mean, it's interesting because the headline is like, you know, like you said, Krasinski directing Carell, because that's the fun headline. But we don't really know who's at the lead of this. I mean, you know, we've got the kid Alan Kim. Ryan Reynolds is reportedly the lead ryan reynolds then um (laughs) (laughs) but but i'm
0: wondering if there's going to be something oh this is complete theorizing but i'm wondering if there's going to be something where it's like we're seeing the adults like we we see the kids back in the day and then we're seeing adults i don't know what happens
1: um hey i mean i i don't like to be negative but i just get i get icky when i see big casts um and i don't know (laughs) Well, do I have the
0: next story for you? Yeah, uh, Nef- Netflix's 2019 murder mystery is start- finally getting a sequel um, with Jeremy Garlics at the direct. Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston are coming back, um, as well as Adil Akhtar and John Connie from the first. Um, but here's the why wi- This is a wild cast. This is. Have you read this cast list yet?
1: I'm looking at it now. Yeah, let's see what's going on here. Mark Strong, Melanie
0: Laurent, <laughs> Jodie Turner Smith. Kuhu Verma, Enrique Arce, Tony Goldwyn, which I completely forgot about, Um, Annie Mumolo from, uh, what's it called, Uh, Bridesmaids and Barb and Star, uh, and Zern Villanueva. This is a wild cast.
1: I I am probably, oddly enough, the most excited for uh, Annie Mumolo, um, because I think she was, first of all, like, just going way back, hysterical in Bridesmaids. And then like on the plane, right? On the plane. plane. (laughs) I I had a dream. We crashed. You were in it.
0: (laughs) Did you identify with her? (laughs) Like,
1: Oh, you kidding me? Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, and then, uh, Kristen Wiig, um, like, you know, matching Kristen Wiig and Barb and star and in bridesmaids technically, but, uh, just really, really funny. I want to see like, hopefully she's given a lot in this to work with. It would be really great. I mean, there's a lot in here though. I mean, yeah. Oh my God! First of all, Mark Strong and this kind of thing—I I would love to see uh, just a deadpan gent, like the <laughs> intimidating force that just kind of like goes against this whole thing. And you know, that's that's the perfect straight man involved in this. But um, in general, I actually have not seen the first murder mystery. I do It was it was not out of like you know out of avoidance. It was just out of like you know we tried to watch it a few times and we fell asleep once again. Not not due to the film. We were just tired, and then we just never got back to seeing it. And then by the time the herd has moved on, um, I'm wondering if I need to see the first one in order to know the next one. I would. There's some
0: fun performances in it, and you know, like it's. uh, I think with a lot of these Netflix movies, they're made for families and for like you know people to sit around, eat some popcorn, and have some fun on a Friday night. They're not for like the cinephiles that are sitting there dissecting them, being like,
1: "Oh, excuse me." Um, Of the of the uh, of the Sandler um, of the Sandler Netflix films, I've heard it's actually like. The best one they've got. I mean, that's not it's not the tallest order in the world, but. Hubie Halloween,
0: Um, (laughs) remember that one? the The uh, the script is being written again by James Vanderbilt, uh, who has he's kind of all over the place now with the different um, types of films that he's writing. Uh, But it's I think keeping that consistency is good because if the first one worked with that, you know, whatever um, excuse me, whatever formula he used for that, then do it again, but. That's not the only big cast uh story today. Sorry, I'm like starting to burp here and I don't want to burp, burp into the microphone, but maybe I will do it. Maybe th- maybe Hi. that's a new cast <laughs> history. If you want to if you want to hear more of Joe burping, subscribe to our Patreon. Um
1: <laughs> the uh, burp podcast, the burp cast. <laughs> <laughs> Just there's, someone there's comes
0: market, in. <laughs> there's a market for everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh lee daniels uh is what gearing a segue. Up. <laughs> <laughs> lee daniels is gearing up for his next film uh this is going to be um oh my god let me regroup here uh um, anyways it me. this this is heading to netflix lee daniels is uh once again reuniting with andre day after the united states versus billy holiday but also octavia spencer glenn close rob morgan caleb mclaughlin and anjanute ellis who is quickly becoming one of my favorites um but the story uh per deadline is uh andre day will play the mother of an indiana family whose children purportedly became demonically possessed in a thriller inspired by an actual case uh so it's all about exorcism, exorcism and stuff like that i'm all about this this sounds like right <laughs> up my alley um and i can't wait to see it i think it's quite the cast
1: all of that i agree with but i am just so freaking burned by the united states versus billy holiday because that movie was I so know. fucking bad and even worse than it being so fucking bad is andre day was so fucking good and I mean, like she was really good. And I, I, I you know, thank God she got an Oscar nomination because that piece of trash couldn't carry her to anything else. It was just so upsetting that that happened. So right now what I'm hoping is, you know, based on this deal with uh, everything going on, I'm hoping that Lee Daniels could be back because I don't w- like, you know, Precious was quite amazing. Um, but then he started just using that same over stylization a lot. And then it just turned into oh you need actually you need something inside the candy coating buddy because like you, you're just <laughs> doing nothing but over stylization and it it, it it was just always like such a really tough thing and then you know he he also produces a lot of great stuff and brings in a lot yeah. of great black content so I would never ever disrespect Lee, Lee Daniels like in that like I God damn, it was United States first <laughs> so bad and so I'm I'm rooting for this I'm gonna watch it I'm excited and I'm gonna be positive but that that just the memory of that gets me sad. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that like this being a little bit more of a,
0: uh, a horror angle, mm-hmm. like more, Dramatic and less biopic in a way oh, about yeah. one person. Hopefully that changes things up. In saying that, this is based on a true
1: story, so who knows how much like reality they're going to bring into it. I mean, biopic yeah. versus like horror movie based on an Exorcist. I don't know. You know, <laughs> like, there, there are people that are like the Conjuring movies are biopics. I'm like, no, they're fucking not. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, no. Can okay, I, okay, now I might um, get. Like, we might <laughs> <call the> viewers?
0: <laughs> how um, dare you! It's like really.
2: <laughs>
0: how dare you! you uh i'm into it i mean again like netflix again we're talking about streamers and hbo max earlier with a christmas story christmas but that's not a great example in terms of you know high profile well i guess it is high profile i mean a sequel to a christmas story whether it's good or not is going to be high profile yeah so you're seeing that they're loading up on the content uh and the same is true for hbo max in
1: terms of dc here um, I think with you? oh go ahead i was transitioning yeah, sorry you're you doing something? a great that was a great segue but i almost wanted to just make the other point where you know it used to be that that wasn't a big deal like you would do a sequel to a christmas story it would be either coming out on video or be in theaters for like two seconds because it would make like a box office bomb now you put it on netflix or you put it on disney plus or you put it on yeah. hulu and it's there for a while and like people, people, it'll show up on algorithms. Like, oh yeah, we honor the algorithms. Yeah. Everyone likes power of the dog and it puts it, everybody like is seeing it. That's not, not going to be, the, well, that's the thing. Like according to your algorithm, you may not like power of the dog, but that sucker is going to be on the front page, buddy. And so like, that's the same thing with uh, you know, any of these other movies that are on here where, you know, Netflix or Hulu are paying a fine penny for them. They're putting them at the top of the menu. I mean, they did that with Land last year, which, Hey. I think people did watch it. I don't know. Maybe the Academy maybe did. <laughs> oh, Sorry, man. That was a long set. You, you had a great segue and I just jumped all over it just to, no,
0: I, I think that's a really good point though. Cause I think with a lot of properties where the companies are starting to notice, you know, more so with, Uh, Companies like Warner Brothers, they're starting to notice that there's a lot of value in HBO Max. and Not only the series that they put on there, but when you have large properties like DC, the DC Playground, essentially, um, you can do some movies in theaters. You can do some movies on the streamer, and that's what they're doing with Batgirl, uh, which is uh, currently in production. There's some uh, set leaks going around, uh, but the Bad Boys for Life directors are directing this, and essentially it's going to focus on uh, Commissioner Jim Gordon's daughter, Barbara. Uh, who's playing? Being played by Leslie Grace, um, and the neat part of the um, casting here is that Ivory Aquino, um, who was in When They See wow. Us and Tales of the City, has just joined the cast of Batgirl as Barbara's best friend, bartender Alicia Yo, who was the first major transgender character ever to appear in a live action. Uh, first major. I'm sorry. She is a major transgender character in Batgirl, and she'll be the first major transgender character ever to appear in a live action adaptation of a DC film, uh, which is just really cool. And I'm glad that, you know, the guys behind Bad Boys for Life are ushering this in. It seems like there's a lot of diverse casting in this that I think so far seems really great. Um, and I'm, I'm pumped to see what they do with this.
1: It seems to be that these uh, these directors uh, from uh, Bad Boys for Life. Uh, I'm going to give them their uh, due with the names, but also butcher them. Um, Adil LRB and um, Bilal Fala. They um, they they're seem to be like exceptionally progressive um, with what is going on with Bad Boys for Life. When they did that one, that was just there, there was like this step in the right direction without it being like any sort of gigantic messaging. It was just something where it's like, hey, we're modernizing this a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and so that was that so much be- fun oh god it was so much fun it was perfect and i think this might be the same thing where it's like you know hey first of all if this was like you know gigantic messaging and stuff cool that's needed i'm i'm okay with that but i think they will like put some sugar with the medicine and they will make this something like fun they won't make it like disappear in the background like in a stupid disney movie they will make it just be they'll make it something where it's it's common it's just, it's a natural thing. There's just like a matter of fact situation, but it is also there. And just like be cool with it. Cause I, I see people, I, I don't want to get into just like I could imagine the Facebook commenters and I can't, I don't want to put them in my head because then it's negative. But like they'll say, like, you know, if it shouldn't be a big deal. Just not mention it. Then if it's not a big deal, I'm like, well, then if you don't mention it, then it doesn't exist. And you, you can't yeah. really get into those. <laughs> the logic starts to fall but that's like people are assholes (laughs) yeah i don't know why i do that to myself i'm like how can people ruin this and i immediately like i I get this news and it's like well this is great news and then two seconds later how can this get ruined and truly i think that in this situation like it's gonna be tough (laughs) like it's gonna be tough to ruin this i really love the idea um and i think i think it's gonna go great really um yeah I mean, it seems
0: like a a lot of fun and I like that. I've been, I'm very torn about certain properties like this that take these steps and they go straight to streaming, but also Mm -hmm. in recognizing the value of streaming and also the larger playground that that can give you where it doesn't have to be a commercial, you know, you're not, you're not chasing the box office here. You're just hoping for a great impact on streaming. And I think this will give them a great opportunity to expand what DC looks like, um, we should also mention Michael Keaton is involved in this as uh, Batman, of course, uh, and Brendan Fraser is the film's villain, Firefly. I still which, love that so much. Yep. Um, but I just, I, I'm very excited for this. I think it's great. It's funny what you like. I thought about that too immediately. Like people are like, "Oh, why does it even matter?" And blah 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 blah. Representation matters. I mean, if you don't want to get into conversations around representation, just at least look at the facts that like when someone can see themselves on TV. Uh, in the in another you know through another person Um, it uh, dramatically increases their chances of still being with us in a few years if they're different you know there's unfortunately there's a high suicide rates and um, representation really impacts Mm -hmm. mental health and we've seen it even within Kanto recently. Um, you know, there's a lot of videos out there of kids that are seeing the characters, uh, especially the little black boy with, uh, you know, the curly hair and all that. And um, there's a video of a boy looking at him and saying, look, I'm in the movie. And that's so freaking cool. Uh, and it's, something it's, that like, if you go back to the 90s movies, not to oh sh- shit on the 90s, but like they were all white casts and they were oh. not representative of
1: the world. Yeah. Or when they were not a. Well, the, when they were a non-white cast, it was not accurate. It was, uh, you know, Absolutely. I mean, it was voiced by white actors and stuff. And yeah, or white people writing the black families and stuff. <laughs> you know what was great about Encanto? I looked up IMDB and I recognized like two people. And that's, I think, a great thing. That like that felt good. And everyone else probably recognized way more people. And that was something that like I I kind of felt great not knowing. It. And that was like a cool um yeah, but yeah, like, I... it's,
0: it's a lot of keyboard warriors that are going to come out. I jokingly mm-hmm. put something up on uh, a TikTok a while ago. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> did, uh, something about uh, like the, <laughs> the men that are in the comments of certain female led superhero movies complaining and saying how bad they are. Um, and someone commented and was like, well, the writing was bad and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're proving my point. Um, (laughs) and you know, especially when you look on rotten tomatoes and like, they both have over 75% or over 70% from critics and stuff. So like, it is a lot of, um, unfortunately comics were geared towards boys growing up and everything was all about like the strength of the men and they're the stronger characters. And now that we're giving play to more diverse characters, Um, you know, even Batgirl, like it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays. Um, it's going to be, it's, it's a challenge, I think, for these companies to straddle that line of like, obviously they're out to make money. Um, and, but they also want to tell different stories and, and improve the representation. And it's, it's a challenge.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I just think about it. This is still like, you know, yeah. Batgirl is the lead of this. Um, this is not like a trans character taking the lead of like a superhero movie. This is not, uh, you know, this kind of thing. And if that was going to be the case, that would be fine, by the way. But like, it would just be one of those things where it's like, still relax. This is still the best friend. Okay, like, I mean, yeah. and I'm not saying, like, that's not enough, but, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, there, there's history being made, it's monumental, but also, you're gonna be okay, you're gonna get your little, you, you you watch watch Peacemaker, you'll be fine, not to admonish anyone that watches Peacemaker, Peacemaker rules as well, but, like, you're gonna be okay, you're, you'll be good.
0: You're gonna be fine, I should also mention that uh, Barbara Gordon is a lesbian in DC Comics. Okay, so, Boom. moving on, um, <laughs> Uh, And she is on the CW show too. Um, All right. So moving on here, this is actually a really fascinating story. I want to get your take on Um, one of the big documentaries that's in play this year at the Oscars is the rescue. And it's about the rescue of uh, the, um, the Thai soccer team. Uh, And it was, if you remember back when that was all going on, like that was absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. um, That whole story, but the documentary is just absolutely wonderful. Um, And now, we've known for a while that there is a uh, actual drama being made about it called 13 Lives, and this is coming from Ron Howard, um, but it's a fictionalized version of the whole story, and it's going to star, uh, let me get all this right, because I am terrible with loading shit. Okay, here we go. Um, it is going to star Vigo Mortensen, uh, Joel Edgerton, Colin Farrell, um, the guy that wrote Gladiator wrote the script. Like, this is insane. The reason this is a big story is apparently in test screenings, um, it is t- it is scoring the best that any MGM film has ever scored. What do you make of that?
1: I may give that the uh, front runner for the best picture next year. Um, not to, I don't want to start talking about next year for the love of God. I got to get out of this year. <laughs> but uh, this is the uh, this is the uh, best front runner. Um, th- there's a few things pulling it back. Um, and, uh, one of them will definitely be the fact that it's the front runner for best picture next year. Um, now it's fucked. now you're the front runner for best picture next year. Nope. You're done. You're done. That's, that's the first part of it. That's one thing you're done with. Um, the other thing I can think about is Ron Howard. Like it's interesting about Ron Howard. Cause Ron Howard was a directorial God in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yes. he was, And then he won his Oscar and then just came became kind of a pariah. I don't know if there's been a nomination since he won in A Beautiful Mind. Um, <laughs> no, there hasn't been. No, I didn't actually know. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't actually do it. There might be. Don't Google me. Um, but even if there was, it may not have been uh, like earned or it was kind of like backdoored, but you know, since then he got really into those uh, Dan Brown books and he just kind of lost Mm -hmm. himself from there. Um, He was just kind of laughed away with um, the uh, Glenn Close, Amy Adams film, uh, uh, Hillbilly Elegy, which even then people were saying that's going to be some (laughs) awards like fodder, but only for Close, none for him. Um, This could, so this could be like, you know, he's kind of been like disrespected in a way there. However, with this cast and also, you know, there's still it's still ron howard you still put a ron howard film in front of his name that's that's ron howard like so that's yeah. where like you know that that's a name we know like you know my uh, mom was teasing me she's like how do you know this many directors i know like two directors and i was like i bet you know more and then she's listed a bunch know and, I, and then I was like ron howard she's like ron howard yes ron howard so like ron howard is a synonymous name it's one you know um Now, another thing working against it is the year before, I'm in the future right now, the year before The Rescue is happening. There's a literal documentary, and then you fictionalize it. People hate that. People despise that now. Now, who hates it? Does the general average schmo at the diner hate that? No, they love it. They don't even know there's a documentary. They don't know what documentaries are. So they're just like, hey, look, a fictional thing with Colin Farrell. Look, all the people look pretty. I like that one more. And so they'll go with that one more than anything else. All right. However, sorry
0: to the person sitting at the
1: diner right now (laughs) listening to
0: this on your. I just said a
1: schmo. I, I could call myself a schmo. Schmo's. Oh yeah, there could be someone just enjoying their eggs, thinking about pretty people going into a cave, and he's just like, yeah. "Oh shit, he means me." <laughs> <It's not. laughs> I gotta watch more documentaries. <laughs> exactly, like, and you know, documentaries aren't terribly popular. But to the cinephile, to the people involved in the film industry, they might think, "All right, he's making a narrative out of the cinephile. That's not great." But then, producers, they love the you know narratives more. They make more money, that kind of thing. Producers vote for Best Picture, Um, and producers don't really care about documentaries. They don't want documentaries. Sure, there's some producers that produce documentaries, but really, producers produce movies, not documentaries. I'm going off on a tangent here that is just like indescribable at this point um, to the point where this is the leading contender right now based on the big-time test screenings because audiences love it. Best Picture is about audiences. Uh, If you want to know about Best Picture more, you can check out my column on guyatthemovies.com. (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice uh nice little pitch there uh, i should also mention that this was originally supposed to release in april of 2022 and it got pushed back to november 18th dropping it right at the beginning of the awards conversation so that'll be interesting yeah yeah it's hmm. uh it's uh, i didn't even know this was happening uh so when i saw the story i was like oh huh, all right look at that um let's talk about this last story because this is one that has just been really fascinating to me um, so y- you may remember, <laughs> uh, that there is a, uh, so Disney is a company. Um, <laughs> they'd like to, uh, dip back into the well from time to time. And what they're doing now is creating live action versions of their animated classics. Uh, one of them that is in development at this point with Gal Gadot as the evil queen queen and Rachel Zegler as Snow White herself is Snow White. Uh, It is not called Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, I don't believe. Uh, It's just called Mm -hmm. Snow White. But there in which lies the issue, uh, and enter Peter Dinklage. Uh, Peter Dinklage was on the WTF podcast, and he kind of went off about this. And I'm going to read the whole quote because I think it's necessary. But he said, quote, I was a little taken aback when they were very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White. You're still telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It makes no sense to me. You're progressive in one way, and you're still making this fucking backward story about seven dwarfs living in a cave together. What the fuck are you doing, man? Have I done nothing to advance the cause for my soapbox? Where this gets even more interesting is Disney responded uh, today. And the response actually is fascinating. Um, but, quotes the spokesperson told Deadline, To avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. We look forward to sharing more as the film has in the production after a lengthy development period. What this looks like, according to other sources is that instead of having the seven dwarfs as seven dwarves, they're instead going to be quote unquote, magical creatures of some sort, each with a different personality like the dwarfs you know happy sad i'm sure they'll still associate them that way but they're not leaning into uh the dwarfism community what they also so in that conversation they mentioned or in that statement they mentioned consulting with members of the dwarfism community and as deadline reports this is not anything new um they uh, the company hires cultural consultants for Mm -hmm. all of its movies which i think is wonderful uh so you know why would that be any different here in a way? I think it's really a fascinating discussion because of the reaction online from a lot of people was like, oh what? Like who are we upsetting with this? Um and it's like dwarfism is a thing. Um and you know, what what are you hoping uh, how do you bring that into today? This movie that was, you know, gave uh, uh, Walt Disney his Oscar and was released in what? The 40s? 50s? Think,
1: uh, literally 30s, I think.
0: Was it 30s? Yeah, right. 38. Yeah. <laughs> So I, it's, a, it's a tough one, um, but I, you know, usually I hate this back and forth, but I think Disney's response was pretty like, we're aware and here's what we're doing. Wait and see the product.
1: When I saw their response, I got worried at the sense. I'm like, you're not already doing that. And maybe they are like, that's one thing. Maybe they genuinely are. But from the way they worded it, it's like, oh yeah, no, wait, shit. We should do that. Yeah. Like we should get on that right away. And it seems like it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I will, boy, how do, how do I, like, approach all of this? Um, first of all, like, I always just truly, truly admire Dinklage. This doesn't really have much to do with this sort of th- thing. He takes roles that are, you know, like dwarfism and situations like that. People um, deal with that. And they acknowledge that. But they are not roles that are specifically entirely and completely about that and it is a part of the character but it is not the only part of the character and that's something that i've always admired from him he's always like been outspoken about this situation, you know. Um, obviously, you know, you you just uh, went back to the '90s. I mean, we could go back to the uh, early aughts in the '90s, and we could all just take a good look at ourselves and humanity when it comes to film, and just we could all just erase it all because it is rough when we come to, to that situation. Um, we uh, look at someone like I remember someone wrote an article about it. Um, I don't know if it was Dinklage that made the comment, but uh, someone like uh, We Man on Jackass. Um, It's him and his uh, friends palling around. And like they say, that's one of the most positive uh, representations of Morphism, which, you know, that would just blow my mind because it's like, really? <laughs> but no, it's like his, him and his friends palling around. And so that's the uh, situation there. Um, another thing I sort of want to comment on, and because this there's always a story that comes from Mark Marin's podcast. And by the way, Mark Maron's podcast is awesome. All right. I love Mark Maron is probably one of the best interviewers. And that might be sometimes the problem. Is because he is so comforting, and he's just having a conversation. He's just get, and he gets a lot out of the people, like without even realizing it. And I think it's it's not even Merritt's fault. He's innocently doing it as well. It's just they're having a conversation, and it's very well there's a chance that Dinklage was while recording, you know, sort of going off a of handle here. I'm not saying like, Hey, 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 Dinklage settle down or something like that, but there's a chance that he was just sort of like, they were mid conversation. I look, of course I listened to 7 billion podcasts. So I'll be listening to that one in like 2025 and uh, I'll be able to like listen and hear the context of where that stuff is. I think the context is still relevant. I think the comments are relevant even without the context. And um, I think it's like everything that is happening is important I still don't feel right about this whole thing. And I mean, of course I just think scrub the damn remakes, but you know, even before like, you know, not doing the remake, it's just, okay. So they're going to be magical creatures that all have the personalities. How's that better? That's where, that's where I really come down.
0: And so what I'm sitting here thinking is I I need to understand better what the complaints were, or I guess what the the controversial portrayals were of the seven dwarfs in the original um i i don't understand it enough to have an opinion on like which direction they should go i do believe because this movie i mean we found out about zegler a couple months ago this movie's been in development it's a latina actress in the role and they uh created a brand new male lead for the film instead of doing the whole like you know she's gonna get rescued by loves true kiss and all that (laughs) crap um I, I do believe that they're working in the right direction here, but I want to do a little bit more research and um, see like what those stereotypes are in the classic movie that people were upset about.
1: I mean, I guess it's been, you know, a while Yeah, it's, it's better to do the research, but just like shooting from the hip, I guess it's been a while since I've seen a 38 film, but it was basically like, you know, they, they were, you know, little people um, that were freaks then, therefore they had to hide out in the woods and like get treasure. Um, and that was the story. And so what they did is, you know, in 1938, it was politically acceptable to use the word dwarfs, which it no longer is. Um, and I think, Maybe there's just, I don't know what you're right. I don't know specifically. And that would be interesting to find out what's going on there, but that would like, I think it's just something where it's like, okay, yeah, it's just, it's, it, they're, they're fairy tale characters instead of, you know, humans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more research and maybe I'll bring in, that conversation back next week when we're chatting. Um, but uh, Hey, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of stuff going on in Disney.
1: <laughs> a lot of like, Disney go-
0: stuff. Get him, Peter Dinklage. Um, all right, let's get into rant and raves. Here is my rave. It's going to be very short. I recently rewatched a movie. I don't do that often, uh, but I did. I rewatched The Suicide Squad from last year. Yeah. Uh, I am here to say that movie is a masterpiece in the superhero genre. I think it is a very well-made movie. It is a very well-told story. It's well-balanced in terms of the number of characters that it deals with. Granted, it kills three-quarters of them off in the first 10 minutes, but um, (laughs) there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of uh, turns of character. Uh, And it is just a blast. It's a lot of fun. It's very well done all around. James Gunn, especially now when you look at how he linked Peacemaker to it and continues to develop projects for DC that seem to be expanding upon uh, you know, other characters or other properties. I, I just really think he deserves, he got a lot of attention for it, obviously. And was, mm-hmm. it was very well received, but I think it is, it is a fantastic film. Um, so just ranting or raving about that a little bit because it, uh, wow, what a,
1: what a movie. I, I do love that film. It is, it is dynamite. And I think it's going to be one that people look back at like it, because unfortunately pandemic, you know, it was, it was, it yeah. was like August. So it was kind of tough to go to theaters. So, but uh people will look back at that one it holds
0: up really well and some yeah. of the performances in that were just like absolutely incredible i'm googling it real quick because i always forget her name um which one uh, the, act- the actress that played Ratcatcher 2 daniela melke 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 is it um she's she was wonderful uh so i i just really i listen if you haven't seen that movie since it first opened i highly recommend watching it again uh, because it is, it is just so well done.
2: Uh,
0: so yeah, that's, that's mine, but you're going to Rentville.
1: Yeah, a little Rentville. It's just a little bit frustrating um, as someone that didn't buy any Sundance films. Um, I've watched uh, two new movies in the theater and, um, since uh, in January basically uh Scream and the 355 now I understand that's dumping ground so there's no new movies in the theater except for something that was made like eight years ago with Pierce Brosnan right now um <laughs> but I really really need there to be some movies in January because I'm losing my friggin mind I have like I have time on my hands because there's nothing going on on the weekends because it's like seven degrees out and no one can do anything outdoor so you know I just want to go see some movies and there's nothing out now what are the movies I could see well on one hand I could see some of the remaining oscar contenders there's a bunch of foreign films that i want to see i like drive my car with like there was a showtime for a quick second and then i blinked and it was freaking gone um parallel mothers i'm probably gonna like leap on and try to be able to see flea come on flea there was a flea poster in my movie theater and yet flea is not in my movie theater get flea in my movie theater
0: Flea is expanding i should tell you that it is expanding
1: hell yes i
0: want that i think it was Uh, it was lit Last week they sent it. Sorry, I'm completely cutting off your rant, but they sent an email last week saying that it was expanding to specific cities. And then it said more expansion
1: the following week, which would be this week. So I would keep an eye on that. I'm going to keep an eye on Flea, but it is one of those things where I, I want to see movies. So get your movies out there. Um, I'm looking here, uh, sundown, I believe sundown. You're going to talk about that movie coming out. Um, and it's limited theaters, which, you know, I, I got a theater near me. That's kind of limited. Like put, put sundown in there for a couple of showings. I could watch Tim Roth on a beach and like some weird stuff happens. Like, come on, just give me some movies. Like I, I want to watch movies. Um, and it, so it really is something where in general, like these studios need to figure out a way. And I understand some of these studios are very low budget and they probably can't get their films everywhere. They got to figure out a way to get their films out there. Um And whether that is to a theater, whether that is to a streaming service, get um, get your movies to your people. Like I, I would, I would like to see the movies Um and it, it's, it, <laughs> it's starting to be a frustration. <laughs> I would like to see the movies. The, the, I, did, I did go a little bit Arnold all of a sudden. <laughs> I want to see the movies. That was actually like John Travolta imitating Arnold Schwarzenegger and look who's talking to.
0: Imitating Laura Ingram, imitating Kate McKinnon. Did you see that today, by the way?
1: What was that?
0: Kate McKinnon imitated uh, Laura Ingram on SNL this weekend. And (laughs) last night, I think it was last night, Laura Ingram played the clip and imitated Kate McKinnon imitating her. It was. It's cringe. It's, Actually, <laughs> I no. no, no. Um. Uh, listen, we would have gotten Morbius this weekend if uh, that movie existed. Um. Yeah, so we're maybe, not maybe I
1: shouldn't rent too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah, we we would have gotten that. Um. And then we are getting some limited things coming out this weekend. So jumping into what's coming out clean, uh, which is the, I believe it's Adrian Brody. It's going to hit limited theaters. <laughs> Sundown was the Tim Roth uh, movie from tiff i believe it was that was really i mean it was one of many that he was in he's also in um uh what's it? a resurrection with um rebecca hall at sundance that's not there we <laughs> he's go the, pop, tim pops roth, man. The shed. <laughs> yeah um but anyway so tim roth uh is in sundown that's they'll be hitting limited theaters and then the Requin, which or Rakeen, I don't know how you say, it, which is a shark, <laughs> another shark movie, um, is going to limited theaters. GameStop: Rise of the Players is a documentary uh, about the whole GameStop thing, which I think is going to be limited theaters. But the other two "quote unquote" big releases are streaming. HBO Max has The Fallout and The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild on Disney Plus, which is going to do really well. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> but I mean, hey. The other thing is Sundance is a big festival that I think a lot of the studios Mm -hmm. take time to go to and figure out like what that's going to look like in the future. We talked about some of the, uh, or what their uh, releases are going to look like in the future. We talked about some films that have been acquired earlier. And one of the ones that just got reported on here uh, during the recording of this podcast is that Sony pictures classics picked up living, which is uh, the Bill Nye film from Sundance. Um, But Go ahead, sorry.
1: Well, now now I'll just do the Ron Howard thing again with this guy. Bill Nighy now is gonna win Best Actor in two years because they're <laughs> gonna Sony is gonna push that one. But you know, what, like to your point earlier with Sundance,
0: I didn't even know that movie existed, mm-hmm. and I've been knee deep in Sundance for the past week, so uh, it's kind of interesting. But um, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff coming out, I guess you could say. Ugh, Sean,
1: what are we gonna do with these movies? Know. There's so many movies. No, there's no movies. There's no uh, Sam, movies. This Sam's away episode. for the Sam's Sam's away for the week, and I, you know, I guess I'll just be watching a lot of old movies again. For the week? Yeah. Is she gone now? No, she leaves tomorrow. Oh. oh,
0: is this the twenty four hour ride? Yes. Oh God. Um, I, <laughs> I responded and said sleep. Um, anyway, uh, there's. Not much else breaking right now, so I think we wrap on the Bill Nye getting the Oscar in two years. That's the one Uh, thing
1: I thought of is Bill Nye's getting the Oscar in two years. Hey, it's the father, (laughs) the father Sony Pictures Classics, man. They deliver. Oh god. Yeah, see? There we go. God, that
0: movie. I will never forget (laughs) that. Um Listen, for all of you who are still interested in Sundance and the movies coming out of there, there will be more reviews going up on movies.com and movies on Instagram. So please check that out. Otherwise, Sean, anything fun going on this week while you're a bachelor?
1: Uh, no, um, I'm going to go see a bunch of movies. No, I'm not because nothing's playing. So um, I'll, I'll probably watch a bunch of old movies. Uh, go onto my Instagram and vote on what old movies you want me to watch because I've been honoring that, which has been a fucking mistake. <laughs> Uh,
0: yeah, uh, I always vote for the one that looks the worst. So, yeah. I knew you um, would. <laughs> I'm like, you're gonna do this shit. You're gonna pay, uh, Sean. See you next week. See. You. As always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods, where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.